So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. Hi, Chris. Hi, Liz. <laughs> it's another episode of Deconstructing Health and Fitness. With it's Chris another and Liz. season. It it's another season. season of Deconstructing Health and Fitness, season three, with hopefully better quality sound, only slightly. We are working on it. All of you who are listening and think, is Chris in a hallway? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't these people get their lighting right? <laughs> uh, because it's harder than you think it is. So, and I also, mean, yeah. And also like, sometimes it's like a roll out of bed, kind of a feeling where I'm just like, Chris, I feel like life is just such a struggle. I didn't set up a ring light. I didn't plug in my microphone just because it's all the, it's, you know what? It's true authenticity. That's, That's what right. you're getting. That's exactly it. And I think it's really important though, because a lot of really important moments happen when there isn't a ring light. Let's be honest. It doesn't Ooh, even have to have a ring light. I would say the most honest <laughs> and important moments probably happen when there's not a ring light. I mean, some of my very truest feelings happen without a ring light or coffee. So I'm, yeah, you know. What I love, and I know what everyone loves on the internet is putting up, setting up your ring light, doing a full face of makeup and hair and just getting like, just so with your great background and then being 100% authentic and real. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are some YouTubers out there like, I am authentic and real. Uh-huh. Uh, that's fine too. And if that's what makes you, you know, that what makes you feel like your truest self. Awesome. Go for it. Right. But I, I think some of that effort has been slightly beaten out of me through my parenting journey. So I don't, I'm not even a parent and I've been, I, (laughs) God, it's a struggle to put yourself together. But it's great because I realized that my kid loves me, whether I just rolled out of bed and am making ogre sounds or whether I'm fully in makeup and all that good stuff. Like she still likes me either way. So that's nice. Sometimes she doesn't like me at all either, to be fair. So (laughs) And it doesn't matter what I look like at that point either. So. Or how many ring lights you have. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, exactly. But today in season three, so we've had kind of an interesting meandering path of this podcast so far. And we've kind of decided that with season three, we want to take a little bit of a more structured approach. So this is going to be our attempt at trying to corral our discussions into more finite directions. With that said, we've been dancing around this topic for a little while, but the idea of trying to, we spent a lot of time in our our first and second season unpacking a lot of the myths and kind of fads that pop up in fitness and the underlying principles we kept coming back to with that was that you really need a solid foundation in critical thinking skills. And everybody bandies that word around a lot right now. So we're going to take some time and dive into that today. What what does that actually look like? And then this other thing um, that I actually found through one of my homeschooling mom friends who was teaching this with her kids is um, understanding logical fallacies and why they degrade the quality of our discussions and how, how they 
are so powerful to influencing our behavior, right? So if you can understand those two things, you'll gain a lot more traction with your health and fitness goals because you'll be able to kind of weed through some of the information that comes in a little bit easier and with more confidence. And on top of that, you had a great metaphor in one of our, um, I think, I think this was kept after cutting. I'm not sure, but, um, your metaphor was that you're on like a highway and all these like diet and fitness trends that come along, you're on this very specific highway. You're all like, yep, I know that this is the right highway for me, especially if you have a good coach that's helping you along your journey. Um, but then you have like an offshoot, an off ramp that comes up. That's like keto. And then you have another one that's like CrossFit or something. Yeah. <laughs> what have you, Orange Theory. And then you're like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I can get to my destination that way. And maybe it's a shortcut. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the bigger analogy of like when you decide to work with a coach, or even if you're on this journey on your own, you have you need a destination of some kind, right? And and you otherwise it's really hard to know which direction to start in. So like st- step 1 is define yourself some kind of overarching goal you'd like to achieve or something and that's again if you want to change, right? If you're happy with where you're at, you don't need a destination. You can hang out in your hometown all day. That's cool. But if you decide you want to go somewhere, you kind of have to know where it is and we have GPS nowadays, which is great, right? So we don't have to think super hard while we're driving down the road anymore. But the thing is, is that from where you start to where you want to go, it could be a long road. It could be a 10 minute drive. It's up to you, right? But in between where you start and where you end, there are going to be all of these distractions, all of these off ramps that will take you other places. And you may come along the road and realize that you don't actually want to go to Pasadena. You you totally want to go to Six Flags and that's okay, right? You can take that turn and go there and then reset your destination and your GPS, but you can't take every detour. If you take every detour and you're constantly distracted from the, the main highway road that you want to use to get somewhere, then you're just never going to get to your destination and you're going to feel really frustrated. And so I think that's where that metaphor started. And it came from was like, yeah, okay, I, I have a goal but the road to the goal isn't clear. And so this brings it back around to why critical thinking and recognizing and understanding what logical fallacies do in the world is so important to keeping you on the highway and off of the detours. But it comes from a place of like intrinsic motivation of an understanding of yourself. And so oftentimes in in our coaching journeys, like we have to start with where do I actually want to go? That's a multifaceted question, I think for a lot of people, I know for me, it's not, I'm sure some people would just be like, I just want to lose 20 pounds. Right. That's great. But what, where do you want to lose 20 pounds from? Right. It's like, that's like saying, I want well, to the internet would tell me I could lose, I could spot lose 20 pounds from my waist and then put it in my butt <laughs> and my boobs. That's sure. what the internet would say. That's possible. But here's where Again, that's a With great a plastic one. surgeon, right? What are the actual, you know, what are the actual steps needed to achieve that goal? And is it specific enough to draw a map and go there? Mm. Because lose 20 pounds is often a very like lofty goal. It's like, I want to go somewhere exciting, right? That's the goal you just set for yourself. You want to say like the exciting place I want to go is Pasadena. I don't know why that's where I'm picking today, but 
It's not that exciting. I've been to Pasadena. It's lovely. We moved out of California, so it can't be that great if we moved out. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, you know, again, cool. we can argue no, about Pasadena's nice. Totally. We can argue about destination all day. It doesn't, it doesn't actually matter to anybody else what your destination is, right? So like if we back it up and we go back to, all right, I want to lose 20 pounds for whatever reason from wherever, right? I need to first apply critical thinking to that goal, right? I need to take that sort of objective, sorry, it's not an objective goal. That's a, that's an outcome goal. I want to take that outcome goal and I want to be able to translate that into actionable steps or what we call behavior goals, right? So if I want to go to Pasadena, I first need to get a car and put gas in it and know how to drive. And then I have to know how to drive on a freeway. And then I have to get on the freeway and merge into traffic and change lanes and do all of these individual steps, right? And, and it seems like a very straightforward thing, go to Pasadena. Yeah, it's gonna go. But it, the invisible steps in between are what hold people up and what make detours more likely. So by applying critical thinking skills to even our goal setting, we can come up with a better goal a better destination that's going to allow us to stay on the path when distractions pop up, when people come at us or marketing comes at us with lots of opportunities to deviate. Mm. Yeah. So if we look at it, there's like, they kind of break it down. You can Google this. And, you know, if we were recording video today, I would screen share this. Um, But if you just Google critical thinking skills, you'll basically come up with this five component model for critical thinking. And it's, it's pretty common. You can find it on Indeed. There's a couple of other, couple of other um, websites that I found it on and it's all pretty consistent, right? So step one is observation, right? I need to use my perception and my like ability to watch and observe what's going on around me to notice and predict opportunities or to identify problems or solutions that other people have had to problems. And this is where consuming lots of fitness media and marketing kind of comes in. I recognize, hey, I, I want to change something and I need to figure out what to do about it. Well, what do I do? I'm going to go Google it. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to see what other people have done. I'm going to listen to their stories. That's the observation stage. And most people kind of jump from observation to problem solving, which is the last step. Right. I observed that this worked for somebody else. It's going to work for me. Ta-da! Solution. But we skipped three really important steps in that. Right. So the next step after I've observed some opportunities or some possible solutions to the issue I want to solve, I need some analysis. I need to gather data. I need to understand the data that I've gathered. And then I need to interpret that data for my actual situation. Or I need to challenge that data with other data to make sure it holds up. And you see a lot of people talking about like, quote unquote, I did my research (laughs) at the moment. And I think this is one of the, the traps that we fall into is that when we look for data and when we are looking to analyze actual data, it has to be based in facts. It has to be based in tangible outcomes that I can repeat. That's, that's kind of the foundation of science, right? It's repeatable outcomes. That's how we know something is true or true enough for now. And this is where lots of fitness marketing comes in and tries to derail you. 
right? It's like so many competing ideas about what's right exist in this space of data analysis. And so it's not enough. It's not enough to just go on the Google and Google keto and read a bunch of keto articles and then decide that that's the right thing. What you need is to understand. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have done that by now. Everybody's done it. I mean, I did it for sure when I was first starting out on my journey. Everybody's done that. But what you really need to do is understand first principles. So I'm married to an engineer. I know I've mentioned it before, but first principles as an understanding how the thing you're trying to manipulate works in the first place is actually where you want to start your analysis. You don't want to start with the solutions. You want to start with the why. So why do I need to eat? What does eating do for my body? Like that's a question most people could probably just answer off the cuff of like, oh, I need energy. Right. But okay, what kind of energy do I get from food? How does my body use that energy? How does it not use that energy? Like, what are the systems that function within my body that control that? Do I understand how those work? Because if I don't, and then I go and I read a bunch of marketing materials, I can't assess their validity accurately. So I can't do a good analysis. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard work. It shouldn't Um, be. It takes time. (laughs) Yeah, but it because there's so much misinformation out there, the work is that much harder because you are you are swimming through this endless amount of marketing bullshit. Mm -hmm. And as a marketing professional, I know that. (laughs) And even (laughs) if you're not, you know, I'm sure everyone is aware of that. Um, so being able to find the gems of truth out there it's like it's just like you're in this dark cave and you're just like I don't know there's rocks everywhere I can't see where the heck where the heck the gems are right because again if you're this is where logical fallacies come into play in a deeper way right if you're not able to understand the difference between what you're seeing as empirical data versus somebody's motivation to get you to buy something. If you're confounding empirical data with somebody trying to sell you something, that's your first biggest red flag. That's the first biggest red flag. Oh yeah, (laughs) gut bacteria is really important and I really need a healthy gut in order to be able to digest my food properly. Oh no. Oh, you have a solution? Like big ass red flag, okay? Like, is it true that gut gut bacteria and your gut biome is important? Sure. But do you understand why? Do you understand how your digestion works well enough to be able to say, "Ah, I get that. I get why this happens, right? And and in our society, we, we rely heavily on other people's expertise to guide us. And that's how it should be. We should be able to do that. We're existing in information. Yeah, we're existing in an information world where anyone can put out anything they want with very little check or regulation. I'm just going to say it, Dr. Oz, (laughs) my God, the damage he's done, I think. But again, why? Like, why has he done that? It's incredibly profitable for him. (laughs) Totally. It's incredibly profitable. And so you're muddying the waters when you- Why does anyone do something unscrupulous? It's pretty much always money or power or both. Yeah, I mean, we could totally go off on a wicked diatribe about anthropology and and why like <laughs> and why human be- humans behave the way that they do. But we're not going to do that because we okay. are going to stick to structure today. Structure. Aren't you proud of me? This is good. Right? I'm so proud. Okay, so once we really 
spend some time here in the analysis phase. And this is the part people often skip this. When you're looking to achieve a goal, you want a solution right now. You want a path, you want to understand it, you want to move and do and get it done, right? It's very American. <laughs> Let's get it done. Just do it. Get her done. Like he says, just do it, right? <laughs> but when you do that, when you skip these intermediate steps, you don't always get good outcomes because you didn't understand how it worked in the first place. Like if I just said, I'm going to go buy or go build a house and I dug a hole and slapped some concrete down in it and then put some sticks up and called it walls. Like I might have a house for a little while, but you know, there's a ton of building codes and regulations and things to make sure that houses stay up because hmm. people have learned from their mistakes. Right. So, Oh, are we talking about things that are doing things that are sustainable versus doing things that are short-term uh, quote unquote successes. Yeah. You want to like, go back to the like keto? Pigs? I mean, like, come on, here we go. Right. Back <laughs> that was to the childhood nursery rhyme. Right. Right, right back. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, we've, if you've listened to previous episodes, we, we did talk about this at one point, it's this short-term gratification versus long-term goals and planning. And so it's really, really hard to overcome it. It's really hard to overcome that tendency. Um, but it's important that we do it. And it's important that we do it because not doing it leads to so much sadness and shame and guilt and all of these things that don't help us change in the future, right? So fine. So we've observed, we've analyzed, we've learned enough about the first principles of the situation, whether that's movement, whether it's sleep, whether it's digestion and nutrition, um, it doesn't matter what the category is. Understand the actual building blocks of that thing you're trying to change then you can draw some conclusions, right? But only once you've, you've gathered enough data and it's never, it's the sharpening your ax thing, right? Like it's a whole hell of a lot easier to cut down a tree with a sharp ax. So if you take a whack at the tree and it kind of bounces off, it's okay. Your ax just isn't sharp enough. You just go back and do a little bit more data. You can go back and forth between action and analysis as many times as you want. That's where the learning is. Yeah, not just outside data, but data you're actually collecting within yourself or as, as PN Precision Nutrition would call it your um, your uh, owner's manual. Yeah, and this is, this is why they use that model, okay? It's this idea of building your internal owner's manual. And this is the step three of inference, right? Of you're drawing conclusions based on the data that you've accumulated and you're going to start testing them. You're not deciding that that's the only way you're saying, okay, here's what I think at this point, based on what I currently know, let's try it out. And, you know, it, we've done this over and over, like, okay, here's an assumption. Here's a strategy. Let's test it. And let's reconvene next week and find out how it went. Ah, okay. This one went really well. This one didn't go so well. What do we need to change or adjust? And this is the process um, around critical thinking that is like the least gratifying thing you could possibly do because it's not an immediate result. It's not a movie yeah. where there's like a plot arc and you have a very definite idea of who the good guy is and who the bad guy is and what the outcome is going to be. You have to play around to figure it out, right? And this is what science is. It's not, it's not a religion and it's not a bunch of data that we're never going to change because it's always just right. Like it's constantly being checked 
and assessed and poked at, which is another reason why fitness and marketing materials geared towards health and fitness are so confusing because every day there's a new study that they're coming out with saying Mm -hmm. the opposite of the last study. Like the metabolism thing where they're like, actually, we found out that, you know, your metabolism doesn't just automatically slow down as soon as you're like 30 or 35 or something. Right. Right. And so now that turns all the data we had before on its head, potentially, but not if you're still applying critical thinking like that's one data point. There are 50 data points that say something else until we get more data points that are saying the same thing as this new data point. We're not going to upend all of our previous assumptions and rules, but I can put that, I can put a pin in that idea and say, okay, that's worth looking into again, because that's anomalous data. And that's really hard to do when the, the, when you have mm-hmm. breaking news, breaking health news, everyone, you know, yeah, um, where you don't really get much information, you just get a, like a shiny headline. Right. And that's specifically generated to target your emotional responses. Yeah. And so that's yes. another moment yeah. of seeing behind the curtain is understanding that that's part of your observations. Like, ah, I observe that every time I read the note, the news, I feel really confused and conflicted. Yeah. Mm observation first principle it's so hard it's so hard not to like still every day I like battle with myself to not click on an article I lost 60 pounds let me show you how it's really freaking hard yeah and it's one of these things where learning these logical fallacy like these consistent rhetoric tools that are used to um deflect I guess and we'll talk about rhetoric and what that means uh and, and how that applies here on another episode. Um, but there'll come a point where you want to click on all those articles so that you can use your new skills and be like, ha, I know why this doesn't hold water. Yeah. I know why this doesn't work. Going into it, like, oh, I'm going to learn. I'm going to finally learn how I'm going to lose 60 pounds or something. Um, this easy step, easy step. (laughs) Yeah. And understanding that that is the premise of them getting you to click on it is the first step. It's the first view behind the curtain, right? Of like, ah, they've said that very specifically because it's going to trigger an emotional response to me that makes me click on it. That's the whole point of marketing, right? It's all, it's almost, it's come to the point where a little tangent, it's come to the point where I almost like I get a jolly from when, when I do click on those articles and they're all like, what I did was go on the cert food diet or, um, some other like crazy restrictive diet. I ate, I ate a thousand calories every single day. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I've, I've also done that and proven that that does drop like a ton of weight, but like it never (laughs) is a, it's never like a healthy long-term solution. So it's not going to work for you for beyond this magazine article, unless you really want to go deep into the dysfunctional eating place. Well, and we've, we've talked a, a lot around those patterns and those expectations that seem to get set up from those articles about how this is how these people live all the time. And that this is what they're mm-hmm. doing for the rest of their lives. And that's another moment of being able to analyze and go back and say, that's unrealistic. Like based on what I know from how everybody I've ever seen behaves that's not how this pans out. And this is usually mm. part of the journey that, that happens for um, my clients and other clients who of other coaches who kind of work along the same lines as me is that there's this realization at some point during your coaching journey that when you're, you're at a family gathering or a social event of some kind, you start observing the, the words and the, the way people are talking about food and their relationships with food. Oh and my you start God. going, oh, oh, 
oh, it's literally like starting to see the matrix, right? When you apply this stuff, you go, oh, oh, that's a faulty premise. Oh, and it's hard not to get, not to simultaneously get tricked because this is where I'm at now. When I hear that, I simultaneously get triggered mixed with, oh, I need to say something and help them and help them see that this is really dysfunctional behavior that's just going to drive the behavior <laughs> they don't want to see. And then I'm like, no one's asking for that. Right. No one's asking for but that. But that puts you on stage four of critical thinking, which is communication, sharing and receiving information with others verbally, non-verbally, and in writing. You're now checking your hypotheses. You're checking the things that you have been thinking about and learning about with other sources and seeing if they hold up. That's the next step. So we observe, we kind of gather some data, we kind of make some ideas up about what we think that data means. Then we start to test that data out with other people and see how it holds up. And this is where oftentimes, you know, there's a couple of pitfalls within the critical thinking framework. And this is the second one, in my opinion, is that if you are not convinced enough about your data set that you gathered in the first place, it all falls apart again here. And this is what you've been telling me about is experiencing like, yes, but I, I'm convinced that these things are probably right. Yeah. And I was really careful about how I said that, like, I'm convinced these things are probably right. Yeah. That's There's a chink in that right. armor of your data, <laughs> right? There's a chink in your armor of data. And so when you go to step four and you're checking that with other people, things that you can't quite make line up with your hypotheses or assumptions, shake your foundational data set. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm trying to digest that. <laughs> so, all right. I know the sky is blue. I can observe the sky is blue. I can test that the sky is blue. Everybody else agrees with me that the sky is blue, right? That's a pretty I'm sure there are people who wouldn't, but right, of course there is. There's a pretty anchored <laughs> belief that the sky is blue. We all perceive the sky is blue. We all agree on that. That is what we would probably call an empirical fact. There's going to be somebody comes along and says the sky is purple. And then you look at the sky again and you think, that's stupid. That's not purple. Everybody knows it's blue. That's how you know you have an unshakable piece of empirical data. And that's also dangerous. And we could go on a whole tangent about how having too rigid of a belief system around data sets that have been established is problematic too. But like, you have to have some of those to build on. You have to have some of that stuff where when somebody challenges it, you just go, no, just no. God. If you really want to convince me the sky is purple, the onus is on you to convince me of that because every single thing I've ever learned says the sky is still blue. It's like the, I hate to do this and this might, you know, at some point bite me, but like, it's like the flat earthers. There was a movie they made about flat earth being real and every test that they conducted to prove that the earth was flat was proved them wrong, like every test and the whole documentary, it becomes quite like it's, it becomes a little bit sad by the end because you just watch them repetitively fail at proving their premise. But it's a super important part of critical thinking and their tenacity at holding on to their beliefs is, is you know, it's, it's respect worthy in, in one sense. Is it? And it's cringeworthy in another because you're like, but everything says no, right? And but it's they're like, still like, but I know it's gotta be this way. But it's more of like a holding on to your ego. It's okay to just be like, wow, I was wrong. I was wrong and that's fine. But it, again, and that's a, another whole conversation in psychology about why <laughs> that, that whole thing happens. But <laughs> it's this idea of like, you've got to try to really, really build a foundational set of empirical data that you know is unshakable. I mean, like, you know, you have two hands, okay? You have two hands, you have two eyeballs, 
you know, based off of everything everybody's ever told you where your organs are in your body. If you go look at a diagram, everybody agrees on that. These are empirical facts. Okay. If you, it's gross, but if you cut a person open, you could be pretty sure that if you rummage around on one side, you're going to find a kidney, you know, (laughs) that should be pretty well established factual stuff. Those are the, those are the bricks of your foundation of, of data that you need to be able to then layer on top of it. And then what happens is as you're challenging those next layers, it's okay to peel them back and build them again off of something else. But those rocks, those, those foundational blocks of information should be unshakable or near unshakable before you build the next layer. Mm. Yeah, we could use a cake analogy. Like anybody who's ever tried to layer hot cakes together knows that's a shit show and it's gonna melt and go all over the place and lean right? Don't build a cake with hot cakes. Bad. Watch the Great British Baking Show. You'll find oh my out God. about it. I've been binging the Great British <laughs> Baking Show. Yeah, so have we. So that's why that analogy it's so came. freaking good. Why is and it just, so good? Why is it that they always put them in a hot tent and then make them do chocolate things? That's so mean. Yeah, it's Stop really it. cruel. It rains. <laughs> it's really oh, uh, wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah. So, all right. So we're four steps through. That was good. We reined ourselves back in. No, that was good. (laughs) Four steps through. We have one more step. The last step is the problem solving portion of where we actually apply solutions and we get some results. And then we repeat the process all over again. It does not end. It is a circle. Can you repeat all five steps, just the titles? Yeah. So step one would be observation. Step two is analyze the things that you have observed. Step three is draw some initial conclusions or hypotheses, or in this framework, it's called inference, right? So, you know, trying to figure out what you think is going to happen here, then testing those thoughts and beliefs and facts out on other people or on situations, which is communication or the, you know, the trying out step. And then four is problem solving, which is the process of actually troubleshooting the issue and finding solutions to it. Mm. Right. So if so, you're an example, should we do a real life example with something I'm dealing with? Yes. That let's be? do it. Okay. What should, now where, where would one start your pick? So what have you observed recently that you would like to apply this process to? So many things. <laughs> So many, many things. Um, I don't know whether to go physical or psychological since they're both so tied. Uh, First thing that pops in your head. One, two, three, go. One, two, uh, three, go. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, I've been feeling pretty shitty about myself and super highly critical of, um, my body and my weight. Um, I really think the fucking holidays brings, I, I, I feel like every single year I get extra upset. Okay. <laughs> and, and it's like driving different kinds of behavior. Like, um, I had a day of like, why even bother? Why even try? And then after that day was over, I'm like, no, I'm going to achieve like everything. And this is like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then almost with this like extreme idea in my head that 
for the first time in my life, I'm questioning, hey, is like, am I having a realistic um, destination in my head? Or is this going to derail me? Because you brought up recently um, about people I think you, we talked about like people holding up like photos of Chris Hemsworth and being like, I want to look like this or something. Mm. Um, and not to poo poo all, all over that. I mean, I'm tall and blonde kind of, um, Chris Hemsworth, it would be right. <laughs> I want to be Chris Hemsworth for, for, for this Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking now, and as I look, I'm actually just glancing around my room and you can probably see behind me, I have all these vision boards Mm -hmm. from like fitness magazines, some of them. And I'm, I'm thinking now, like, is this all hindering me? Is this like one thing that's, um, having this, this very kind of like intense imagery in my head um, is this making me feel like I'm not making any progress if I'm not like, if I don't look like that, then obviously I'm not doing anything right. So that's, that's a lot of things, right? So there's <laughs> a lot of observations. Yeah. So now we need to pick one or two or a couple and sort of analyze what you've observed about that. Right. So, okay. You kind of did it halfway already in just being so trained in this process now. I don't know when you heard, if you heard when you switched from, I noticed this too. I think it's because this. Oh no, I didn't. I was just free bowling. Right. And that's because we've been working on this structure of handling um, thoughts and things that come up for a while. Right. And so now it's starting to be a bit more automatic for you to take the first couple of steps through. So you, you were like, I observed that I'm really critical of myself right now. I observed that this is worse around the holidays and that I am doing a lot of like big pendulum swing, black and white thinking around it. And I don't yeah. know that that's not okay. behavior. I'm happy to report not behavior. Right. At least I don't think so just thinking. Right. Which is actually already a massive step forward from where we were a year ago. Right. So you've, you've automatically gone from observation to analysis of like, Hmm, <laughs> something's fishy here. And like, <laughs> this isn't exactly what I think shouldn't be happening on happening in this situation. Right. So that's, that's step one and two, but you've trained yourself now to observe really well and to start to analyze. And then the next step would be to draw some conclusions based on the data that you have accumulated and that you just gave to me there. So what, what conclusions do you come to? Because you kind of said it at the end of like, I'm starting to think that maybe having these images of extremely fit people might not be helping me. Let's go a little deeper into that. Okay. Go. Oh, oh, why I have you, to why go do into... you think, yeah. Why do you think <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me why it was not good. No, I'm not going to do that. That's not how this works. <laughs> well, I, I like, I'm sure many people, because I always like to say that, because I like to remind myself I'm not alone. I think I feel I place so much importance on weight loss as my success, um, as an, as, um, you know, a show of success, I guess, even though 
I could probably list a giant amount of things that I'm pretty confident you would applaud me for. I'm like, it doesn't matter because I haven't, I haven't been losing weight. And so it doesn't fucking matter. Um, as if, because that's the only thing in my, in my, in my head, I'm like, that's, that's the only valid goal. <laughs> yeah. In my head and thrown back in my face every single day in the media, every fucking day. I cannot go anywhere without it being thrown in my face. And I'm sure most people feel the same way. Okay. Um, I mean, unless I just stop consuming media altogether, which I don't know how I'm going to do with my job. I know like that's kind of <laughs> counter your profession, right? That's so. why the great British baking show is so fucking good because you can just watch people eat cake, but then every once in a while Prue like says stuff about like, Oh, is I'm not sure if this is worth the calories and this and that. And I'm like, stop. Don't remind us of oh, the really? I've never noticed her say anything like that. That's really interesting. Isn't it interesting how we can watch the same show and come away with totally different takeaways? Like this is a tangent and I'm going to keep it as tight as I can, but we watched a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, like the classic Burl Ives. Oh, One yeah. is like my favorite holiday thing. And Layla really loves it now too, which I'm excited about because it's super old now. Right. Like, and the fact that my kid still enjoys it. It's funny. And she said to me, I've watched this movie probably 30 out of 43 of my years on this planet, I've watched this movie once a year, right? And i that's how many times I've seen it. And we're sitting there watching it. And she's like, why are the little animals so dead in the eyes? And I was like, what? And I, as soon as I looked at the little bunnies, I was like, oh my God, they are dead inside. Like, what is that? And it's like, I've seen that movie 30 times, okay? At least 30 times. <laughs> and this child literally pointed something out to me that I had never noticed yesterday. And that is magical. And it's why this critical thinking process is so important is because we all have different perceptions of the same situation that are really valid. And so like, that's your next thing is what you're doing now, right? You're like, mm. I drew these conclusions and now I am going to check them against other people's perception of this situation. I think other people agree with me. I think this holds up, does it? You mean the dead bunny eyes thing? Yes, the dead bunny eyes thing. <laughs> Layla heard me from the other room and came in. So she was like, oh yeah, the dead bunny eyes? I'm like, yeah. So I guess um, my conclusion is like being constantly bombarded with these, um, I mean, let's just call it what it is. And this is going to be a very blank, blanket statement um, and perhaps very black and white thing, whatever, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> don't overanalyze right? When people are freaking featured in magazines and when people have like nude scenes or on, on TV at all, they're pretty much at their, like they have starved themselves often to get there. Um, especially if they're doing like a shirtless scene or something, or if not, they've done something extreme that they are most of the time, never going to be, never would be healthy to keep up or realistic at all to keep up for a long period of time. And yet we're judging ourselves by that, by that, like one image. And we see it all the time, every day on Instagram, you know, because also people can Photoshop the fuck out of everything. So they don't even have to do that because they can Photoshop it. And I don't think there'd be a lot of people who would disagree that that kind of imagery is incredibly toxic and not helpful, but it's there. And I also like watching YouTube and I like consuming media kind of sometimes. So, okay. If we, if we look at this in the, the critical thinking framework that we're working on today and I say, okay, that's very clearly the issue. 
right? Is it's not necessarily that you need to achieve those things. It's that the reinforcement of that in what you see in here is the problem. So what are the solutions to dealing with that? Like you've already mentioned one is like a total media blackout, right? But you know, that's not an option because of your job. Yeah. So what are some other options to try to address that issue? Or some testable hypotheses or actions that you could take to see if it shifts this for you? I'm having trouble thinking myself out of it. Mm-hmm. I just would love to get to a place, I guess if I'm going to think about where I want to be, I'd love to get to a place where weight loss um, and being like X amount of, of pounds um, or inches wasn't the penultimate, wasn't like now, obviously you're finally, all your work is paying off. Like I'd like that kind of thinking to stop because it really just makes me feel like giving up all the time. Mm. Even though I don't, it often makes me feel like, why am I even bothering? And then also really disappointed. Like, you know, and then I, I start to remember like when I did achieve like a certain weight, it wasn't even my goal. I just basically was like, let's see how skinny I can get. And the, you know, the only way I've ever done that has been by, like I've just said many times, um, eating 1200 calories rigidly, rigidly, sometimes under for extended period of time. Um, and obviously I've, I have enough evidence to show that that is not something that is sustainable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah so, that's a tested, like that's an observation that you yeah. tested a hypothesis on and doesn't come back with the desired result. So it feels like that kicks you back into the beginning of the cycle, right? Where you're like, okay, well then fine. I had a hypothesis and I tested it and it didn't work. Now what? Well, do it again. And you're getting closer, right? You're, you, you've iterated do it again. This. Wait, I want to go be... back through the, go back through the cycle, the critical thinking cycle of like, oh, okay. okay. So it I went sounded like, you're time. like, try it again. Try 1200 oh, yeah, calories definitely again. Stop eating like, again. Um... That's... <laughs> Absolutely. My advice all the time. Right. So feel my brain wanted to hear that. Okay. (laughs) Even though I didn't. What you did learn from those experiences is that you are capable of losing weight. It is possible. You did not learn a sustainable method to do it, but you know that if that is something that is actually still a valid part of your, um, your journey and your goal towards feeling healthful, it is achievable. It's just that you, it's like alchemy. It's like, so you mix some pond water together with some rocks and you got gold once, but you don't know why that happened. <laughs> so you've been mixing pond water and rocks together forever and you're not getting gold again. What the actual fuck is going on? Well, the first principles are off. So that's where we go back to the beginning of the cycle and we say, okay, I know that losing weight is possible. I know that. I know that losing weight the way I've been trying to is not working for me and is creating Mm -hmm. more problems than it's solving. I also have a good idea of how my body works and uses energy now. So within that framework of understanding how my body works and uses energy, because we've spent lots of time talking about um, digestion and how nutrients are used in your body and how exercise and sleep and stress affect these things. You've got lots of good data points there to start to pinpoint a next action step. So, and I'm, I'm fast forwarding through a lot of things we've already talked about and worked on and that are in previous episodes of the podcast so that we can get to the next step for you. 
which is <clears throat> like you've been working really consistently on exercising regularly. That's been yeah. a pretty and, anchored behavior for a while now, right? And in, I'm now on phase three because okay. I've I I actually recently came up with well, this is what this is. The, here's an example of what I'd like to see in my exercise routine from like not necessarily the highest point, but definitely a you know place I'd like to get to. I'd like to be moving a lot more during the day. Um, so I took that, I labeled that phase five. It'll probably be like phase six or seven, really. Mm-hmm. And then I'm kind of just like working backwards and then just seeing what I'm doing and what I've been doing consistently for the last six months. Um, and just increasing that a little bit. I literally have been, I've, I futzed with it and, um, Did you created, say futzed? futzed with it. Yeah. That is a great word. <laughs> have you heard I me say that? that? I say that. No, I love that. I love Can I have <laughs> that? I, Sorry. Yes, please. <laughs> um, I've, I've changed like the frequency and like, you know, um, certain things I felt like worked better for me, but also I think it'll help me just have a more of a routine, which I like. And then I gathered all the data and then I was like, okay, so what has actually changed? And I'm like, oh, I'll be hiking one and a half more miles every week. And I'm like, that's, that doesn't seem like a lot, but it is working towards the goal. Yeah. And I think it's this idea that, um, Cause you, you went through that, like a rock star, like that whole process you just described is like, that was perfect. That was exactly what you need to do over and over again. You're like, here's my high level goal. Here's where I want to go. Here's where I'm at. Here's the next step that I need to take. Boom, done. But also it sucks. And that was the only component of that, that I'm going to poke at you. About. The very last thing you did was discredit your achievement. You said Did I? it's a mile and a half and that's not very much. When? Oh, well, I said it. I said, yes, that because it was like part of the, the critical part of me is like, don't feel that proud. But then the <laughs> other part of me was like, actually, it's not that much. And that's what's right. Is that and that's the new, right. And that's the new skill that you've acquired through this process. And you, you have repeated this critical thinking process like three times in the last five minutes, you've got, you've run this through because you've spent so many times getting questioned by me through this process that now you're starting to do it yourself, right? This is, this is a huge part of learning for people and it doesn't matter what you're learning. Okay. Whether you're learning a language or an instrument or whatever, it's, you got to model the behavior that you want to, or you've got to see it modeled. You got to see it done right? This is what I want to go do. Then you need somebody to scaffold you. And at first there's a lot of scaffolding, right? And then pieces of the scaffolding get pulled away and you get more and more independence out of it. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm doing it. And so if we're on the road, on the way to Pasadena, because obviously that's the coolest destination for the day that I've chosen at the beginning of this podcast for I don't know why. Like you started in shitty downtown LA and you're going to Pasadena. It's not that far, but boy, there's a lot of distractions on your way out of the city. Okay. And what's happened is you took a a few detours at the beginning because you weren't quite sure, like, was this the best road out of the city? What about this best road out of the city? Well, this one looks a little bit busy today and there's some dumb marathon happening over there. So don't go that way. And then you're, you kind of got out of there and then you got out of the city and you're on the freeway and you're like, ah, I can clearly see where I'm going. And I understand how to conduct this vehicle in a way that gets me more directly to my destination in Pasadena. I know what speed to go. I know how to navigate the lanes of traffic. 
And I also know how not to get pulled off the road so frequently. I have enough gas to get there. And I have a decent traveling partner, right? Like those are the critical things that you have been building up. And so now you're capable of looking at these processes that you're implementing and saying, okay, I know I've done this with exercise. That's great. Here's what I need to do next. So we can play that out again with food and we go through the same processes. Yeah. Right here that we would go through that we did with exercise. We say, okay, food is more complicated always because there's so many more elements that go into what we eat than just like move your body. Oh my God. (laughs) Or go to Especially around the holidays. Right. God. So doing that with food. (sighs) So I've, I'm, I've observed a, wait, what was the first step? What am I supposed to do? Observe, Observe. right? Okay. You did it. I've observed, (laughs) I've observed some definite changes. Um, I no longer feel like I have weaconitis. Okay. So pretty weaconitis. Yeah. Weaconitis. Uh, how would you describe? I mean, it's pretty. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm great all week long. I quote unquote am good. And I stick to my plan during the week. And then the weekend happens and all the wheels come off and I eat whatever, whenever, for however long. Yeah. But then I'm good. You, you got to shove in all the fun until Monday starts. Yes, again. Because obviously Monday through Friday are not fun. Yeah. And so right. you might as well, if you're going to suffer, you might as well just suffer in every which way. It's right. <laughs> um, so I, I, I mean, I'm not saying like, I don't get like a twin, like a little bit of that, but it's not, I really don't notice my eating. My, my eating doesn't really change during the weekends anymore. Um, and I am trying to think of when that really, I think it's been, I think it's been like months, you know, like maybe two, three months. I, I'm not exactly sure. It, it seemed like it happened kind of gradually. Um, I also, I noticed, <laughs> I noticed if I give myself enough dinner, um, I no longer, I'm like, I got to have dessert. I used to always be like, I have to have dessert. And, uh-huh. and now I've been like, it feels like, it feels hard to say this because there's like a shame trigger that comes up when I'm like, I go back for seconds of dinner and I'm like, that's wrong. But I'm like, but when I do that, I don't want dessert. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting battle, right? To be. Yeah. So kind I'm of like- kind of like, I was also, I was kind of, I guess I was also kind of just hungry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, but it's, it's hard to say like, oh, I go back for seconds for dinner. Cause I'm like, that's wrong. How are you going to lose weight if you go back for seconds? Interesting. That's an interesting yeah. association, right? So then you could run that through the critical thinking pathways. Like, does that hold water? Like does necessarily getting seconds mean you're going to gain weight? Like, I, I mean, mean, the quick and dirty answer is no. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, I'm trying to be really, it's really hard because I see these great behaviors happening, these great changes, but then I'm like thinking about like, was this empirical evidence or facts or whatever? I'm like, well, you have to eat fewer calories and burn more than you consume. That's kind of what you always hear. And I know it's, it's more, people want to say it's just that simple, but there are some more complexities in there of course yeah it's one of those where it's like it's that simple and it also isn't yeah because not all (laughs) calories are created equal um so 
the thing I'm battling with myself now, it's like, it's really hard not to be like, you just need to eat smaller portions, smaller portions, smaller portions. But do you? And that's the thing I'm going to challenge is because you literally just said like, I actually don't eat the the calories that are less nutrient dense and more calorie dense when I just eat enough nutrient and calorie dense food. And then you said in the next breath, but I need to eat smaller portions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh, is that a logical fallacy? It's not a logical fallacy, ooh, but it's that? definitely it's um, you know, it's a it's a point of ambivalence and it's competing um, it's like competing paradigms that don't match up. Right. And this is the thing about human beings is we are fantastic at holding oppositional beliefs, um, in our head that literally contradict each other and not being able to see them. And this is why step four communication is so critical in the critical thinking processes, because somebody else holding up your, your beliefs or your, um, your statements or whatever it is and, and talking about them in a supportive way can help you go, Oh shit, that doesn't line up. <laughs> or yeah or so I have a hypothesis okay I have a hypothesis and I guess I definitely need your expertise especially with knowing me but also just you just know things oh, so <laughs> my hypothesis lately has been like well you're just used to overeating so this feels normal to you okay you can check that though right because you can then tune into your hunger cues because we spent some time tuning into hunger and fullness cues and eating slowly and really being present with your food, which is a foundational skill, right? That's a foundational part of physiology that is, you know, proven all over the place that like your body tells you what you need. We could look at a billion studies that show that that's the case, but short of actually spending time doing that, if we discuss it and you take whatever information I give you as like sort of factual for now, and we say, okay, is that true? Are you just used to eating too much or are you responding to your hunger and fullness cues better now? Therefore, you're not getting them as intensely. I don't know. Here's an okay. example. My, my last meal, I went on a hike and I was, I felt pretty hungry and it was lunchtime and I was like, I'm going to have a salad. And also I made this like, I made like this chickpea, what was it? It's, but it's butternut squash and chickpea pasta. And like, as like, in that's what the pasta was made, was made of, or that was what you put on the pasta. The, the pasta was chickpea pasta. Cause I ah. actually find that, that I can find that satisfying. And I mm. also don't, that doesn't seem to be a red light food for me. Like if I make regular pasta, I'm like, give like, I need all that pasta. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't feel fulfilling, like one bowl, not fulfilled. So chickpea pasta feels, I don't, I, I don't feel like it's a red light food. It feels kind of like, okay, I can eat it and be like, okay, I'm done. Okay. Um, and it has a lot more, you know, fiber and protein, whatever, but you know, it just feels, it feels better for what I want. And so I had, so I was, that had to heat up in the oven and, um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm really hungry. So I'm gonna make my salad. And on my salad, I had like eggs and some avocado, some sliced almonds and cranberries. And I ate my salad, like a pretty big dish of salad. And then I was like, 
think I'm even really hungry anymore, but I was like, well, I'm already heating up my thing. And I feel like if I only eat my salad, I'm going to be hungry a lot sooner. Like right now, I think if I only eat my salad, I think I feel really hungry right now as we're right now, I I feel completely like satisfied. Mm -hmm. So it was hard because I'm like, I don't think I feel hungry, but I'm going to eat this because I was planning to eat this, this, this pasta squash thing Mm -hmm. as well. So then I had, I had some of that. And then after I ate that, I was like sitting and I'm like, that's weird. Cause I didn't feel hungry after my salad and I felt like, okay, but now if someone asked me, you know, what's your fullness level, I'd be like 85%, I guess maybe 90. I'm like, shouldn't I be like overly stuffed? I don't understand how I could not be hungry, but then eat more and then not be overly stuffed. Cause I feel like I feel like I ate two meals because they were, cause I had them separately instead of on like one dish. Like yesterday I had the exact same thing pretty much on one dish, but I don't think I had the eggs or anything. So I just feel conflicted. Like, Oh, you must just be really used to overeating. Ah, interesting. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. a, that was such a good like breakdown of that whole event that that gives us a lot to work. I can't just eat a meal without overthinking it. It's (laughs) really frustrating, but also kind of that's the journey is the journey right now. This, it doesn't, it won't stay that way forever. Right. But this is the part of the process that you're in. And until you can resolve some of those conflicts that you're having about how much to eat and when to stop and what's the right amount of food, you're going to keep having that. And that's okay. Right. Like that's, that's where you need to do the work. So, all right. If we look at that and we assess like when you were done with the salad, you thought I'm kind of not actively hungry, but were you satisfied? Because if, and And don't answer right away, right? Because I want you to follow the second part through. What does that mean? Like, was I satisfied? I don't, I don't, I was like, no, dude, (laughs) like, I feel like I didn't need food. Um, but I, but that pasta know. still sounded really good. It sounded, it sounded like that was already in my plans and I wanted something. Yeah, I guess like it was already in my plans and heating up. And I was like, this is the last day I could eat it because I made it days ago. Um, <laughs> so there are a lot of other factors outside of hunger yeah. that were affecting your eating of that dish. Yeah. And yeah. also thinking like, well, I'm pretty sure this this salad is not going to make me feel, feel full for that long. Cause I've, I've proven that to myself where I'll eat something <laughs> and be like, okay, this is good. And then like two hours later, I'm like, I'm really hungry. How am I hungry? And then I get, go through this whole cycle of oh, what's wrong with you. How you're yeah. going to lose weight. Yeah. Because getting hungry equates to getting fat, right? If you're hungry and you eat, you'll get fatter. If you're, if you ignore that hunger and you don't eat, then you're getting thinner. And that's a longstanding dieting mentality of, uh, you know, downplaying your hunger or ignoring hunger or whatever, because that's the way forward. Right. So that's a, that's a problematic belief in there that was, is rearing its head when it comes to trying to navigate how much food to eat. So like, let's put that off to one side for a second and go back to after you ate the salad and the, the pasta was heating up, like if I had put something else in front of you, would you have eaten that too? It like totally depends said, on what. Okay. Like what would you have been in the mood for still? What could so just something it? hot. Okay. I want something hot. It's kind of chilly day out. Yeah. Went for so, a hike in the chilly air. Okay. So 
by asking kind of questions like that, where we can replace the thing that you're not sure about with something else, we can glean a little bit more information about whether it's a real hunger cue or whether it was a satiety cue for like emotional um, satisfaction or physical satisfaction, right? So it sounded like in the moment, this is what I hear, um, in the moment you felt reasonably physically satisfied like you weren't actively hungry anymore, but you weren't really satisfied, satisfied. And so you had something else. And I think that is the, that is the tricky, sticky part of assessing food portions and hunger, right? After, so let's go one more step, which is after you ate the casserole and you didn't feel overly stuffed, were you satisfied or still thinking about other foods? I was satisfied. And then I felt, but I felt a mixture of satisfaction and shame. Like yes, what's but the shame is coming from that thing we put a pin in over on the side. Okay. So Ooh. I felt, no, after I had the pasta, despite like the shame response, I felt like, okay, I'm done. I'm fine. Right. And that's where you want to live. That's where assessing your hunger and fullness cues is a moving target, but that's what you're looking for. It's like, nope, I'm good. I'm no longer thinking about food. And that can only exist in a place that is semi-shame free, right? If you're constantly in a feeling of shame about food, that satisfaction doesn't come. God. Okay. So like, again, just to back it up, right? We observed a thing. We spent a long time analyzing it. We drew a couple of conclusions within that. And we tested them out. We poked around. We talked about it. We kicked it back and forth. We said, well, what about this? And what if I change that? And how about if I do this? What happens over here? And how do you feel if I say this? And then we went, ah, okay. Well, given all of those little pokey, testy, experimenty things we just talked about, this is what I think the solution is. There it is. Again, we did it again. We ran through the critical thinking cycle, right? Mm. So... A, I'm really proud of us for sticking to an actual like concrete topic that we've reinforced many times. Go us. Yeah. We do this. I knew we could, but we just like talking <laughs> to each other so much that we totally get like into the flow of conversation. So in the, in the, uh, you know, interest of being more structured, we nailed it. B, I think a lot of the skills you've been honing over the past year or two are really starting to come into focus for you because the questions that you're asking around food and the questions that you're asking around your food behavior have shifted from first mm-hmm. principles questions of like, what do I eat and how do I know when I'm full and like, how much is enough exercise? Those are not the questions we're answering anymore. We've gone to the next step, which is like, okay, I kind of know what to eat. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know what I'm willing to change in my food and what I'm definitely not giving up, which by the way, for everybody is cheese or creamy things. We know yeah. that like, that's not a negotiable topic. Although that's I'm having fine. milk in my coffee instead of cream and I'm feeling pretty like, okay with that. Right. So we know those things. And from there, we have a better foundation to build the next set of behaviors on, which is how much food is enough food for you? Mm. How much is it? We don't know because there's been so much external pressure and shame on all of the food choices that you've made in the past that you weren't able to really listen to what your body was saying about what you were eating until like right now, like that's the first time I've heard you really go. Yeah, actually I was satisfied by that. And then I moved on. That's a magic moment right there. So 
How do we now replicate that? How do you create more of that moment? And then the shame can just shut the fuck up after a while, because at a certain point, if you're really in that zone and you're like grooving with that feeling, the shame's going to get quieter. Hopefully. Mm. Does that make sense? Because there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were able to rationalize just now that like it was a little bit unreasonable to feel shame about getting a second, quote unquote, a second serving of something. Because you were like, yeah, but then I didn't eat dessert. So shut up, shame, man. Shut <laughs> up. You're dumb. Right. You were able to do that, which in the past that would have overwhelmed you. Like, and if we look back just at the yeah. experiment, we, experiment we did a month or two ago. And you reflect upon like your shame response after that. Like, how does that compare to how you just went through that process? I feel like, oh, it's hard for me to actually think about it differently. Cause I'm like, but that was cake. That was cake. <laughs> that wasn't salad. Chris. <laughs> so there's like, it's so much. Yeah. There's so many feelings around that. I was just saying to my PT yesterday, I was, you know, she's a trainer too. And we were talking, I don't remember how we got on the topic. We were talking about TV shows and she had been watching, um, selling sunset, which is like, I know the face you made, right? I wish everybody could see I just, every right time now. I see, I see like a post, I've only seen a poster of that. And I'm like, that makes me angry. And I, yeah. you know, it does. Well, and it made, it made my physical therapist pretty angry too and she's like but I watched binge watch the whole thing she's like I couldn't help it I just watched the whole thing and she said but it's like it's so disappointing to still see like these two guys who have hired these women who all look exactly the same and are exactly like these cookie cutter models of women and this that and the other and like it's so sad she's like because you know those bitches are hungry <laughs> I love that I love that and it's like it's you know <sighs> I know some people will be like, you're skinny shaming, but I'm like, it's okay. I feel like it's, it's not okay to shame, blah, blah, blah. But so it's, I found it actually kind of healing and helpful when you, when I've heard you say that, um, like when we've been watching exercise videos that we were doing like an exercise, I won't say which one, but we were doing like an exercise program together and we watching the video. And I remember looking at the woman who was, who was leading the class and being like, oh, that's what I need to look like. And you just were just like, God, she looks, she looks so hungry. <laughs> and that was like weirdly helpful for me because I know because you've been through the industry so much and um, I've been her, you know, you're know able to recognize <laughs> what that kind of, what kind of behavior you need in order to get to that place. I'm sure it's like, not that you can, not that you're a complete, like, like life mind body reader all the time but yeah I think you're pretty good and it's like been weirdly healing to, to hear that because it's so hard sometimes I just I look at like these these fitness influencers or these people teaching the classes on YouTube and I'm just like how do I look like that you know I need to look like that and without realizing what they're actually doing to get there and if I had an honest look at what that really was you know, I may be like, actually, never mind. I don't want to do not that. Worth it. But right, I, I, you don't get that. You don't freaking get that almost ever. You don't get the real map. 
You know what I mean? No, it's like people don't want to admit <laughs> when they're doing some really messed up shit. And you get the amusement park map of like, look, there's some fun over here and there's a nice path. And then you get on the path and you're like, shit, this is really far. <laughs> I remember <laughs> this is these... a really far walk in this park. Like <laughs> you're like, this, this is, is not, not worth it. Um, I remember these actor friends I had who were, they had, they were just talking about a photo shoot they had. They had to do like, um, you know, like full body shots and everything for their portfolio. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how they were chugging salt water so that they would yep. shit. Like, I mean, obviously I'm, I know you're aware of that being like <laughs> the fitness industry. You're like, yep, I already know. And I remember <laughs> I know just sitting there and just being all like, and they were just like, you know, this is part of the industry. This is what you have to do. And I just remember being all like, well, that is really awful. And, you know, having a lot of judgment but then also thinking like but that's what people do for their photos and then that's what you're holding up as like well I want to look like this Mm. yeah and it's it's interesting because the second part of the conversation I had with my PT yesterday was you know what those women are doing to potentially look that specific way and get that job and there's a whole separate conversation around whether that's a good idea for anybody or not, or if that's fulfilling for them or not, or whatever. That's not the con- yeah. That's not the point here. But what we kind of started talking about, I said, you know, after all my years in fitness and, and I did some, some fitness modeling, not a ton, but some, and, you know, I, I saw lots of different faces of, of this and it's taken me almost a decade to fix my relationship with individual foods because I spent so many years demonizing so many categories of food, right? Like, and I always, I, you know, very glibly joke about how I've tried a lot of the eating disorders and haven't ever found one that was my favorite. Um, but you know, I, I would say probably the one I got the furthest into is orthorexia, which is the, you know, demonization or elimination of very specific food categories to the exclusion of, of so many that you're, what you're able to or allowed quote unquote to eat is so narrow that you're not doing yourself any favors. And so for me, unwiring the orthorexia has been the longest process because it pops up in weird places. Like for you, it was the cake. You were like, oh, but cake's different. No, it's not. And that's the problem. And I was just saying to my PT yesterday, um, I said, you know, it's funny. I said, I, I've done so much work and I've, I've been working on the opposite of this for so long. It still really surprises me Every once in a while, I find a food I didn't realize was still lurking in a corner that was coming out to get me. And, and I've, I know I've told you this before, but it's uh, dough, mm-hmm. right? It's, and I, I have to say that for the first time ever this holiday season, this is the first year I don't feel powerless around dough. But it's, I mean, like I'm sitting here trying to help you work through this process, right? And I, I still have a couple foods where I can't unwire the shame loop. And as soon as I get in front of that food, because of that shame loop, because of the baggage that comes with that, I lose my control around that food. And I find mm. myself like, I feel physically ill after how much pie I just ate. Like, what the fuck? Like, how is that happening to me again? And then I have to literally do this. I have to say, okay, reflect on the last year. Have you been looking at pie and coveting it and not eating it and telling yourself you don't need pie right now because you don't have, you know, the same body fat percentage you had three years ago because you've had two surgeries. Yep. You're doing that. Mm, Oh, that's been 
lurking under the surface? Are you looking at that cake over there like, gee, cake would be good, but you already did this or this today, so you don't need that cake, right? And catching your own narratives, your own patterns mm. is super hard. And how does that, I'm, I'm listening to this dialogue because I'm re- recollecting on the whole being your own parent thing. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, a long time ago we talked about like, oh, you know, if you want, you want this treat and that, or I shouldn't say treat because again, like demonizing food. I don't know. Is treat still acceptable to say? I don't know. I guess, <laughs> I guess it depends on the person. Right. Um, so you, you want this, you like, you want a piece of cake really badly, but you also want like a double scoop of ice cream and then being your own parent and being all like, okay, why well, you have one today and then the other one tomorrow, which one do you want more now? Versus what you said about like, no, I already had something else. So even though I want cake, I can't have that. It's such a, like such a fine line in, in thinking between like, you're a loser and you need to stop you loser versus like, just have it tomorrow. That's okay. But you know, you know, you know, you already had something today. Then that's, that's fine. Just have it tomorrow. It's not bad. Yeah. And that you said that perfectly. You said that perfectly because it is a very fine line. And like, I thought I had reconciled myself with this particular food until I caught myself doing it. And I thought, oh no, okay. And because I caught it early this year, I didn't eat, I haven't eaten nearly, nearly the amount of doughy things, even though they've been in my house more than ever before. I've had more treats in my house this year than probably any other year I can think of. And I'm not tempted by it. And it's because of that. It's because of that very, very fine distinction. And it absolutely has to be genuine (laughs) Mm. or it's still going to sabotage you, right? And I think this is what's so hard for people when they start down this journey of like learning to trust yourself around these things, because that's what this is about. It's about trust. It's about like, and again, as a parent relationship, like I give my kid way more freedom in areas where I trust her to make good decisions for herself where I feel like she's not ready for that yet, I definitely still intervene more. And then I back off and I test and then I go back in and I say, okay, let's course correct on that. That's not how that should have gone ideally. And you know, she's going to kill me if this is part of the podcast, but she, we literally had an experience today that was very much that where she had a sore throat yesterday and we were on the fence. Do you go to school? Do you not go to school? There's no way we've been exposed to anybody other than people at your school. That's the most exposure we've had. Do you have COVID? I don't know. Are you really that sick or do you just not want to go to school because it's cold? Like mm, running this whole critical thinking, like what do we really do here? So she went to school and she woke up this morning feeling a little bit worse. And I said, okay, well, let's do this again. I said, all right. She's like, Do you have a fever? No. Do you have any other symptoms? No, not really. Just your throat is sore. Okay. Let's take your temperature. Okay. That still came out negative. Let's take a COVID test. Okay. You should probably stay home, but you have this huge testing thing today that if you miss, it's going to wreck like the rest of your next two weeks trying to make it up. All right, go take the test. Right. So we decided to go take this. I said, okay, I understand though, that like, if you go to school, like you need to try to just stay if you're not feeling really bad, if you're feeling really bad, you can call me after the test. I have this break, this window. You can, I can come pick you up. What I failed to do was be clear about the fact that if she told anybody at school that she was feeling ill, even though she had a negative COVID test, she would be put on quarantine. Mm. I didn't and know so, that. I didn't know if you have a negative COVID test, you still have to be on quarantine. Well, but they don't believe. Wow, you. your school takes things seriously, unlike 
many yeah, other some schools, other schools. Out there well but they don't they don't necessarily believe you because people are bucking the rules so oh. often that they, they oh you don't have to you. prove it oh i thought you would, they like, didn't have ask to, me like, to prove it. it i told oh, them okay. they didn't ask me to prove it i could have i have the photo but i took a photo of it this morning um but it was no, it's you gonna be symptoms. doctored you have symptoms. You cannot return to school until 24 hours after your symptoms have subsided. You have any symptoms, you can't come back. And she was like, what? <laughs> so she just accidentally basically got the week off of school and now has to do school from home. And I think this is such an interesting example of like, we're always making choices. Sometimes we can clearly see what the outcome of the choices are. And sometimes we can't. And suddenly we're faced with these shitty repercussions and we're like, oh, oops, I would have totally chosen differently if I had known that that was what was going to happen. And I could have mm. told her, but I just didn't. It's like 7 a.m. and I've only had like one cup of coffee. Okay. So like <laughs> probably not making my best decisions at this moment in time, you know, and trying to rejig my day for her to stay home and all of that. Right. So like, oops, we messed up. And she kind of looked at me. She was like, oh. I never would have said anything at school if I had thought they would send me home. She's like, I don't have COVID. And now I'm just going to miss all this school. And I was like, yeah. So even when you scaffold, even when you try, like you're still going to make a mistake. And then it's how you respond to that mistake that matters. That doesn't create the shame that then drives you in that behavior direction. That's not productive. Or as Rocky would say, it matters how many times you can get hit and keep getting up. Yeah. You have to get up one more time, then you fall down, right? So it's uh, like, at the end of the day, the critical thinking is important. And the logical fallacy work we're going to do in the next episode is important, right? But mm. it, at the, you, you've got to be able to have a healthy enough relationship with yourself and confidence in your decision-making process to tolerate failures. And so that's the last step of it, right? And so it was this thing somebody said in um, a course I'm in last week, and it was like FAIL as an acronym for forever learning, you know, forever acquiring important lessons. That was it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it was an important lesson today. And now she's like, oh man, because she knows I'm working, right? So it's not like it's fun hangout time at home. She's now like bored off her face in the other room because her schoolwork is done and <sighs> so is, if you can come at these challenges, these pieces of information and eliminate all that guilt and shame of making the mistake, quote unquote, making the mistake or doing the thing you didn't really want to be doing, then you have more power to go back through the critical thinking framework and try again. Now it's experimenting again, and it's not failure as in you're a bad person, right? So taking it, um, finally I wish back to my were... dough thing. I wish this were just like as easy as, I mean, I shouldn't say easy, but like as doing like scientific experiments, because it's like, I want to experiment more, but I'm really, really easily triggered. And so my experimentation could lead to more dysfunctional behavior if I'm not really careful with it. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a reasonable place to be right now. Um, but the more successes you generate and the more consistent you can be with the critical thinking process and the working through these issues like rationally and scientifically the more confidence you will gain in your ability to not engage in those dysfunctional behaviors that's the scaffolding for the self-confidence that you need to keep moving forward and you've got it with the exercise right because what you did that i don't know if anybody else has ever you've ever really mentioned it but like you wanted to know about exercise so you went and got a personal training certificate 
So you went and you did get the foundational knowledge. You got those first principles nailed down. This is how my body works. This is how my energy systems work. If I want this, I need to do these things. You know that science now. So yay, that's not been an issue. The food stuff though, that gets wrapped up in so many other things, right? So it's being confident in that area that's going to take you the next steps that you want to go. And even- Confidence is- and expectations, <laughs> expectations that like, this was a long oh. road to get to here and it's an equally long road out. And I'm just giving you an example of, you know, 10 years on, I'm still fighting the doe demon, you know, like, like, and it's not even that, like, I feel like I can't have dough. It's that I don't realize I'm denying myself it until it's in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then the pattern triggers and it's like, ah, oh, shit, it's too late. Like, so <laughs> Do you ever, okay, I want to describe, uh, I know we've been going on for too long, whatever. Um, just to let everyone know who's listening, um, we have a new structure. So it's going to be, by the way, it's going to be a podcast for one week, a YouTube video the next week where we're discussing kind of the same um, topic and, uh, but probably a little more in depth. Um, and then the third week will be, we're discussing this with an expert, a fellow expert, um, just so everyone knows. Um, but I want to describe a scenario <laughs> that I that I I've always kind of been aware of, but I was really noticing it. Um yesterday I did have dessert. I did want dessert. And I like made my little dessert and I just noticed I felt so covetous of it. And I was like, hurry up and go like go eat it like in your <laughs> corner before you think about it too much, because <sighs> It's like, I couldn't just slow down and be like, I'm eating a dessert, whatever. It was like, no, no, like, like, get, like get it out. Like, like put it inside yourself so that you can just not think about it and feel, I guess, the shame. Mm. And I'm, I'm still displaying that behavior, um, which is worrisome. I mean, it's just work you haven't gotten to yet. You're not working on that particular thing right now. So expecting that to just magically go away probably isn't moving forward, which is, it's hard to say, because I know you want this fixed and resolved so you can move on with, you know, quote unquote, other things in your life. But this is preventing you from living your life fully. Yeah. So it's okay. You don't have to solve it all at once. Like we spend a lot of time today solving a couple of really individual problems. That's great. And you have a great framework going forward to start working on these other ones. And you noticed it. You were like, oh, like I'm the shame goblin eating this dessert. <laughs> like I really felt hmm. like Smeagol. Yeah. Like, seriously. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, I now recognize that that's an area that needs some work. I don't have to touch it right now, but maybe at some point in the future, I'm going to be ready to work on this. Or maybe it's like, oh, wow, Smeagol needs to like, he needs to go away, right? I need, I need to work on this now. And that may be the case, but you get to decide. You get to decide, but don't, again, this is the don't tackle all the the fires at the same time. Then they all keep burning, (laughs) right? Like what, put one out, let's put one out. And so I think it sounds like- Fires are bad things. I was thinking, oh, don't you want to like light all the fires and stoke them and keep them going? I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah, that could go either way, really, couldn't it? It's chilly. It's pretty chilly. Don't want to put out the fires. 
if, if we were to focus you on one thing for next week, it would be probably tuning back into those satiety cues about what is enough food based off of what you said, right? Like, well, I don't know. Like I'm assuming I'm overeating, but then yeah. I observe this behavior and realize that maybe I'm not overeating, that I'm actually maybe under eating certain things that then other high calorie density foods that I feel shame about are taking the place of, and I could just eat a little more mm -hmm. of this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny when you try to like get away from the thing you really want with these quote unquote healthier options. And then you end up eating like three of those just to go and binge on the thing that you wanted in the first place. Right. And it's finding, finding that, that balance. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's, I don't do that anymore. Too. It's not, it's not worth it. And it is, it's so not worth it. And it's not actually helpful. Right. So this week's focus sounds like it's going to be all right. How much food is actually satisfying. Cause I feel like we did a good job of that with breakfast a long time ago and breakfast hasn't really come up because you've found a breakfast that's satisfying and tasty and you're happy to eat most days. And that's nutritionally dense and like, yay, we're like, mm -hmm. yay about breakfast. Right. And then it's more around lunch and dinner times where we're still working on finding the right balance, especially, yeah, especially dinner. Yeah. So if we want to, that's where we can focus is really, really tuning into, um, your, like hunger and fullness cues around what you're craving at dinner. You can try taking some notes here if you for want. The, for the YouTube video, I realize now I'm going to I'm going to show you the because you know I take pictures of all, everything I eat. Mm -hmm. um, it makes me feel it's how I was able to get away from calorie counting mm -hmm. because I needed to take a step and I couldn't go full blown like well I'm not going to have any evidence of what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think I'm going to probably show some of those. And we can like maybe talk through that. Yeah. And we can, what we'll do is we'll go through, like, we'll go through the macro calculator online. So we have some empirical data of like approximately for your height and weight and goals, this is how much food you should be taking in. And then we can yeah. see how it measures up and we can run this cycle again. I love that because that, there's, Mm, along with the, those calculators, there's a, oh, there's a whole conversation around those. Oh um, man. <laughs> but the one, the one that we're going to use is based off of like not starving people into weight loss versus yeah. Like that, Noom. That might be like, yeah. I'm just going to call it Noom again. Cause it, it, it <laughs> angered me. I almost smashed my phone against the wall. It triggered me so badly when it told me to eat 1200 calories. Yeah. And then it told you to eat the exact same amount. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, empirical data wise problematic, right? That does not yep. make sense. That does not make sense. We are very I different. Didn't care how much you were beings. exercising or anything. Right. Exactly. Um, didn't care about anything. It's just like, this is, this will make women lose lots of weight fast. Right. Well, exactly. And, and then just for reference, for those of you who haven't listened or heard us talk about this before, like I'm five foot four and Liz is five foot 11. So the idea that we should be eating the same number of calories, regardless of our activity level is literal absurdity. I'm so, sure you could put in anything in there and they would probably just tell you to eat 1200 calories as long as they put, as long as you put in that you are female, um, biologically female. It only gave men 1500 though, because I no, it gave them 1700. Did it? Yeah. That's still, if it gave them like, 1500, I would have felt a little bit better, but it gave them like 17 or 1800. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> so anyway, let's to wrap this up for today, right. You know what it is you're going to work on so that we have the next set of data we can work from yeah. in order to I'm draw excited. better conclusions. 
I'm excited. And I feel like weirdly excited to show you my food pictures because I guess I'm at that point where I'm, where I do, I need someone to be like, okay, this is what I'm eating. Can you just like, look at it and just like, I don't know why. Maybe the food priest. No, not the food priest, (laughs) the food observer. (laughs) Well, no, it's this, it's this data checking, right? Like are my perceptions accurate? Yeah. I feel scared. I know we've talked a lot about my mistrust of myself and that's really Mm -hmm. getting in my way, but I, I do feel like sometimes I need like a trust check or a perception check. Um, I feel like I need that. All of a sudden. (laughs) Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, seriously. Oh my God. We roll a perception check just real fast. Like, did you notice that goblin in the woods? No, you didn't. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, Sorry. (laughs) Well, is that, is that bad? Should I not show you? No, it's good. That's okay. exactly part of the process, right? It's this, um, you know, communication, sharing and receiving information with others verbally, non-verbally, and in writing to check your purposes. Not, okay, like, I should cut this out. But, like, you know, I'm sure you've seen examples of, maybe you haven't. You've seen examples of people who are like, I'm really killing it. And then they, like, they have, like, their food diary or, or they actually have, you know, I know there's been examples of people who just won't include things in their food diary if they, you know, I know you don't ask people often to, you know, have a food diary, but like where it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I ate like five carrot sticks, but then they also ate like three ca- slices of cake. Well, I mean, this is like, the trouble well. with food journals of any kind, right? Is this is why I take pictures. Subjective? This is why I take pictures because <laughs> I'm like, it's in front of me and it's going to be inside me soon. So click, click, right. You got to see. <laughs> I feel, I feel, I mean, if anyone's struggling to get away from calorie counting and they feel like they want to, I do think taking pictures of your food, it's able, I can just take a picture and then like not obsess on it. Like I would, if I were counting calories, which I would obsess and I wouldn't give a fuck about the nutritional state. I would just be like, how many calories are in that? Yeah. You know, now I look at colors. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff to unpack there, but I think, and I mean, around calorie counting, not around what you said, but just the concept of calorie counting. <laughs> You're is, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, Liz. No, it's not. I meant more like calorie counting and how that came to be and why it's such a point of reference for people and how it's useful and how it isn't. And like, it's a whole nother hour or six yeah. of discussion, right. Which is which is part of the problem with generating this really great level of empirical data and foundational knowledge, right? Is that there's a lot to know. And so it's okay to have somebody that you trust help you with it. Thank you, Chris. This has been, God, this has really been, I feel like one of those really um, nourishing episodes actually. Like good. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's what you take away from them. Wow. The more you know. 